Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the Union Naval. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm every year as Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis. For those who have an aversion to the left-right, black-white, two-dimensional approach, absolutely delighted to be with you today and delighted you could join us. If this is indeed your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degree-thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And, of course, with great dispatch and alacrity, we love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's right. The Alan Nathan Show is entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you, reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week. Again, all thanks to you. And, by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right. Please get out of the thought control business. Our topics du jour, as you may have heard, well, major feminist groups are joining all-American swimmer Riley Gaines, as well as Republicans, in supporting the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, and they're doing so against President Biden's promise to veto the thing. Now, you got to wonder, how will the left argue over women's rights versus the trans females' alleged rights to trample those first rights? How's that going to go off? Also, the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, Seagar, scorches the Biden administration's incompetence regarding the resettling of Afghan allies following its cataclysmically botched evacuation and broken promises. What's next? Also, Washington Representative Jayapal is royally spanked for saying we need illegal immigrants to, quote, pick the food we eat and clean our homes, unquote, unquote. And this happens, by the way, at the same time that Georgia Representative Marjorie Greene calls out Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, a liar, quote-unquote, to his face over the border crisis. So who actually made more sense in this regard? Uh, folks, i got to tell you, the topic that's really dominating us uh, more than any is what's happening with the whole issue of trans males uh, being permitted to go up against uh, naturally born women in competitive sports. I, I, I mean... And it's really astonishing what we're looking at. For instance, the Women's Liberation Front and Women's Declaration International USA, they're now really on the same page as Riley Gaines, as well as the GOP, in their objection to Biden threatening to veto the GOP bill that would actually ban trans males from going against naturally born females in competitive sports. Now, once again, the bill is known as the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. But you've got to wonder, how do we see this Democrat against Republican, yet still Democrat allied with Republican against Democrat battle actually panning out. I mean, when, when you think about it, when was the last time we ever witnessed major feminist groups, again, normally allied with Democrats, angrily opposing their own party on any issue? I mean, given that this is perhaps the most politically tectonic displacement to occur between rival factions within the Democrat Party, how might it actually play out as an issue during the 2024 general election, because this promises to continue uh, going on, does it not? And this Democrat fissure is especially seismic, given that the more powerful feminist cluster faction is aligned with the GOP on this topic. I mean, since all polls show the majority of the country supports their position on this conflict, 
How will the Democrats' hierarchy reconcile their own spoken backing of trans females playing against naturally born females uh, in, in, comp- in competitive arenas? I mean, is it fair to say that this rift will severely marginalize Democrats in 2024 unless they buck the woke and surrender to the feminists and Republicans, at least on this occasion? At least on this occasion. Now, folks, I, I don't want to make uh, short shrift of the trans community on this. Okay, many on the left insist that defending the protection of women and girls in Sports Act is actually an attack on the trans community. But we have to give this a little thought. I mean, isn't it more rational to say that objecting to really a nonsensically biased agenda that's hiding behind a minority demographic doesn't mean you're attacking that demographic? I mean, aren't you simply against that agenda making cheap use of that demographic. I mean, what's wrong with just saying that you can be pro-transgender while still recognizing the inherently unfair physical advantage that transgender females have over naturally born females in those competitive sports? And isn't it also accurate to say that camouflaging this grotesque unfairness as a civil rights campaign is really fooling nobody with an IQ over ice cream? Now, what you'll hear then again is a lot of woke folks will point out that many in the trans community already feel marginalized enough, and and, and they need to feel more included in society. And, And I truly respect that. I get that. But, damn it, folks have got to feel comfortable in saying that opposing trans females going up against naturally born females in competitive sports is not showing prejudice against the trans community as much as it's actually showing a sensitivity to naturally born females. I mean, come on. Nobody, but nobody can deny the scientifically provable physiological advantages that trans females have over naturally born females. I mean, just as nobody really can reject the physiological advantages that naturally born males have over trans males, you know, women who identify as men, and then enter into male sports. Something you don't hear about much, do you? You don't hear much about that, though, do you? I wonder why. I mean, where am I mistaken in the least? All I'm pointing out is that we can universally celebrate the entire trans community as the equals they are without having to deny science in a way that really just marginalizes others because that science may not fit a preferred narrative camouflaged as a superior morality. I mean, why is this such an outlandish thing to state? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be in the least. But for some reason it is. Astonishing, isn't it? And then, of course, uh, anytime somebody wants to point out that, gee, maybe it's a good idea not to sort of cajole kids into thinking that they're actually uh, the opposite sex of their birth sex uh, simply because, let's say, maybe they feel an attraction to their own gender. A lot of times these folks, they're not identifying as their respective opposite sex as much as they just happen to be gay. They like being the gender they are. They just happen to be attracted to their own gender. And I'll tell you, it wasn't only a few years ago when Camille Paglia professor at the University of Arts in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is also a feminist and Bernie Sanders supporter, referred to such a thing as actual child abuse. Uh, let's go to clip one. James, if you please. A sex change operation um, opens one door but closes many others. Right? I, 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 I personally believe that um, anyone who, um, who, uh, who, who collaborates in, in, in an intrusion into a developing child's body and mind is guilty of child abuse, a crime against humanity, okay? because that child is not prepared to make such a decision. Okay? I, I, I think that such, such decisions about sex reassignment surgery must wait um, when, when attains a majority, which would be, it seems to me, a minimum of, of age 18. Uh, I'm, I'm very concerned with this because I think that um, it's become a fashion, okay, uh, that, that, they, uh, that uh, the transgender uh, definition has become a kind of convenient label for young people who may simply feel alienated, okay, culturally for many other reasons. Many other reasons. And she also points out how she believes that puberty blockers is actually a violation of human rights 
Uh, she shared this with uh, Dennis Prager, uh, who we had on our show some years ago. I believe he's also a host on uh, the Salem, uh, Salem Radio Network. She pointed out on his show, uh, again, that as far as she's concerned, puberty blockers is a non-starter. Clip three, James, if you please. If all of this was in the air when I was young, I, I would have become absolutely convinced that I was really a man. And I, I think I would have probably been vulnerable to that, uh, uh, you know, fantasy until, I think, my mid-twenties. And um, completing my massive 700-page book, Sexual Persona, in a sense, um, exercised that. Okay? And I, I, I regard, I, 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 right from the start, 1990, I was describing that book as a as a transgender construction right? as a as a, it's a voice it's an other actually you know what James I'll tell you what let's halt that clip because there's far more she really has to add we're running a little short on time folks are going to be right back you're listening to the Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network stick with us spring is here time to get out of the gym and take your workout outdoors whether you're walking running swimming or biking it's important to have a proper warm-up routine to prevent injuries five-time ironman triathlon world champion craig crowey alexander has some advice sprains strains and injuries can happen to any athlete even a minor injury can affect your performance and derail your fitness routine one of the best ways to try and prevent injuries is to make sure you prepare properly Alexander recommends always starting with a 10 to 15 minute dynamic warm-up. Activation exercises combined with some dynamic movements like lunges are great for warming up. Focus on one specific movement at a time until you feel ready to go. Be sure to listen to your body and use proper support gear when needed to protect yourself and prevent injury. The Curad Performance Series Ironman lineup includes rugged supports, wraps, kinesiology tape, bandages, and analgesics to support you on your fitness journey. For more, go to curad.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon-St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States including yours, but they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. 
Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Over here is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis. For those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach, delighted to be with us. And by the way, quick reminder, always feel free to check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Again, that's MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Uh, check out a whole bevy of opportunities we have there for you. Uh, lots of fun stuff. Uh, without further ado, I want to go ahead and go off the beaten path a little bit, especially with our next guest. Uh, he's old friend of the show, Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis. Um, he had a great piece out on Fox News' uh, website, uh, Pentagon Leaks Reveal Biden's Ukraine War Lies and What Might Happen Next. Uh, the subtext is Americans should demand accountability and the truth from its leaders. We can't just shrug off uh, the Pentagon documents leaks. Uh, of course, uh, along with that, we have other uh, troubles that we've been trying to get to uh, as it relates to accountability. As I might have also mentioned earlier, the, spe- the uh, Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction against SIGAR scorches the Biden administration's incompetence regarding the resettling of Afghan allies following its cataclysmically botched evacuation and broken promises. What's next on that horizon? But in the meantime, I want to go back with uh, Lieutenant Commander Robert McGinnis, again, old friend of the show, U.S. Army retired, uh, once again, senior fellow for National Defense at the Family Research Council. He's also vice president at the Security um, Cooperation Facilitator at MESMO LLC, uh, DOD-wide. He's also a DOD-wide uh, recognized expert on security, cooperation, education, and training. By the way, his latest book is the highly praised work entitled Kings of the East. Robert, good to have you back, buddy. How are you today? I'm doing well, Alan. Thanks for having me. No, a pleasure, a pleasure indeed. I read with much interest your piece, um, and uh, I have to acknowledge you're, you're spot on about everything. Of course, I would I would point out that I do believe there is still some legitimacy uh, to the effort, not in Biden's prosecution of what's going on in the Ukraine, but still some legitimacy to the effort uh, simply because of the fact that, uh, well, let's face it, uh, you know, we had the Budapest uh, Memorandum, and uh, with that, you know, we were one of three signatories, along with Britain and Russia, and we agreed to protect Ukraine in that 1992 uh, memorandum in exchange for their relinquishing of nuclear arms uh and i don't believe these two are mutually exclusive how do you assess where we are right now vis-a-vis uh the efforts going on in the ukraine well it's it's a toss-up at this point a lot depends upon if you believe for instance the director of the wagner group the mercenaries that putin is allowing to do a lot of his heavy lifting in ukraine it, it appears as if he's trying to get putin to back out you know, they are stalled, I, I think, to a large degree in the, the east, the Donbass region. Of course, they hold Crimea, and they can reach out and touch people in the west of uh, Ukraine using ballistic missiles and other uh, indirect fire means. Yeah, th- at the same time, uh, the, the losses on both sides have been rather tragic, and it's unfortunate, but it's it's what we're faced with here. We'll continue, no doubt. Uh, we just heard a, another what, $250 million worth of arms heading that way. We've spent about $130 billion. Um, and, of course, we haven't heard from Mr. Biden, which I'm concerned about. What are our national interests? Is it just uh, defending, quote, the democracy in the corrupted uh, Kiev? Or is do, do we really believe that Putin wants to gobble up Western Europe? Now, you know, given his lackluster performance with his military against the Ukrainians, I think that the Poles and even the Finns now new to NATO ought to feel somewhat uh, relieved that um, Putin isn't the bear that many people have profiled him as being. So, you know, it's it's not over. It could continue for years yet. But I suspect behind the scenes there's a lot of pressure domestically as well as even among the NATO nations that, yeah, we want to find some end of the killing and find some sort of, you know, compromise that we can live with going forward. No, I agree with you, and I think you're correct in saying that Biden should be held accountable for his prevarications uh, surrounding our involvement in the conduct of this war uh, since its onset in 2022. But I always want people to be reminded 
that uh, the Budapest Memorandum, again, to which we were one of three signatories, along with Britain and Russia, um, this, uh, this, com- you know, this agreement compelled the Ukraine to acquiesce uh, something of concrete national security value, which I, I don't think can be reinstated anytime soon. And, um, I, I mean, I think, I think it would be wrong to say that we don't have an obligation in this conflict since we had already given our written word to protect Ukraine's sovereignty in exchange for the very relinquishment of nuclear arms that, that sort of emboldened Russia to attack as it has. I mean, it, it began with their first annexing uh, Crimea in February of 2014. And you'll recall, both Britain and the United States sort of violated this agreement by walking away from their said commitments to defend them. I know it wasn't a treaty, but it was still something that the Ukraine took seriously enough to relinquish the very thing that emboldened uh, Russian aggression. Where am I mistaken, sir? Yeah, I, I understand. And I... I... Problem, Alan. You know, I'm, sorry, been... I'm sorry, Lieutenant Colonel. Go ahead and repeat what you just said. We had a bit of a disconnect over the air. Please restate. I'm sorry, sir. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's not a treaty. Had it been a treaty, then the Senate would have confirmed it, and it would have obligated us probably to more than just what uh, you know the administration signed back in 1994. Um, the commitment that you know, if if it were a treaty, we would be willing, as we would do with NATO allies, to send our troops and suffer blood and treasure loss. Uh, I think the the Biden administration could have prevented this long ago. Uh, when they took over in 21, uh, they should have provided the type of equipment that uh, the Ukrainians needed, because we saw the gathering storm of the Russians to in Belarus to the north and, of course, in Crimea and elsewhere. Uh, but to continue to not justify, and we haven't heard, as you've pointed out uh, correctly, the Budapest Agreement, that was never mentioned by Biden that I recall. And unfortunately, he's just continued to pour in resources and give them, I'm, I'm concerned, a hope that we're going to be there forever. And of course, he's basically said as much uh, in his statement a year ago with the NATO allies. So you know, where we are irony, is not a comfortable place. Exactly. But, you know, Colonel, the irony here is if he would mention the Budapest Memorandum, even though it doesn't have the same weight as a treaty again, it was taken seriously enough by the Ukraine to give up the very nuclear power that emboldened Russia to be as aggressive as it has. If he mentioned the Budapest Memorandum, he would give that much more legitimacy to what he's doing. Again, again, it wouldn't have the thrust and power of a treaty, as you state, but it would be better than not mentioning anything at all. Where am I mistaken? No, I, I agree with you, and they, they've completely failed to do that. Uh, and, of course, we saw this coming, what, what the Russians did in 08 against the Georgians, and, of course, in 2014 against the Crimeans. And, you know, we, we didn't push back. I think Obama should have pushed back, and he failed to miserably uh, in that time. And so the Russians felt emboldened uh, because we were just fat, dumb, and happy sitting in the West watching what was going on. And so uh, when Biden, I, you know, this goes back to when Biden pulled us out of Afghanistan and that fiasco that they just felt as if it was time to go into Western Ukraine. Yeah, let's move now while America has uh, an imbecilic leader who uh, can't remember how to walk up a set of stairs without falling down. Uh, Colonel, if you wouldn't mind, hang on the line for just a second, folks. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? 
author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools... Suddenly, everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. <laughs> I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Over yours, Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. Um, once again, check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Uh, get a load of the uh, bevy of other um, phenomenal options we have available for you. Lots of fun stuff. Um, we're covering a number of issues today, but right now we're focusing on the disconnect the Biden administration seems to have with all things uh, 
relevant to foreign relations as well as military exercises. Uh, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing all front of the show, Lieutenant Commander Robert McGinnis, U.S. Army retired, uh, senior fellow for national defense at, Fa- at the Family Research Council. He's also vice president of, secu- uh, uh, of security uh, cooperation and a security cooperation facilitator at uh, Mesmo LLC. He's also a DOD-wide recognized expert on security, cooperation, education, and training. Uh, check out his latest book, the highly praised work entitled Kings of the East. Uh, Colonel McGinnis, uh, Bob, good to have you back. Thanks for sticking around. We appreciate it. Do we have the colonel with us? I oh, am they, here. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Great to have you back. Great to have you back. Listen, I would be guilty of, uh, I know we had you on about your piece regarding uh, the leaking of classified documents concerning uh, the shenanigans surrounding the uh, uh, U.S. efforts in the Ukraine. But I'd be, uh, I'd be guilty of uh, talk host malpractice if I didn't inquire with you about your opinion as it relates to this uh, IG report hammering Biden for all of its dysfunction uh, regarding uh, what's been happening um, or or how they comported themselves um, concerning Afghanistan. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I wanted to get to this particular point, and it has to do with the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, otherwise known as SeaGuard, actually scorching uh, the Biden White House's incompetence regarding the resettling of Afghan allies, uh, all following its cataclysmically botched evacuation and and broken promises. What do you think is next on that horizon, Colonel McGinnis? Yeah, well, SEGAR has done some wonderful work. Unfortunately, it it tracks back uh, well over a decade, and they've exposed all sorts of problems, which I think for the most part have been ignored by all the administrations. So it's not just the Biden incompetence of drawing us out of there, and the continuation, evidently, according to the IG, of the funding of Taliban activities. Um, you know, so I, I'm not the least surprised. I've written about many of these SIGAR reports, and they've, they said we weren't winning. Uh, they weren't, they're wasting our resources over there. You know, one thing after another, it's been going on for years, Alan, and you know, about time the, the, uh, they're given some publicity and some notoriety by the uh, the press to the American people, but um, that IG's had a, a tough hoe to, to row for some time. Now, the Trump administration people are saying it's wrong for Biden to be blaming them because actually the plan they had in motion was contingency-based, and the Biden administration cannot uh, point to the Trump administration for why it is 13 American lives were lost in the process of pulling out. We had 13 American soldiers who were killed in a fashion that did not have to happen. Um, Secretary Pompeo uh, pointed out that uh, there was or there were contingency-based maneuvers for pulling out, and Biden had far more flexibility than he's currently letting on. What say you to those observations? You know, it's true. You know, they they basically said, uh, you do this and we'll do that and so forth. But the Biden people came in and said, nope, we're just leaving. Uh, so as Mike Pompeo indicated, and rightly so, it was contingency based. You know, I, I, I think that we need to consider that part and parcel, not really yeah, sort of separate from what uh, the IG has been saying for the last 20 years, because quite frankly, Alan, people have not paid attention to the dismal record all administrations have. But when it comes to the effort, no, I put that solely in the, you know, in the Biden bucket here. And, and, you, and we should point really out, and we should point out, and I say this respectfully, you're not a great big fan of Donald Trump either. So when you make reference to this. Uh, you're not doing so as a wild-eyed, blind supporter of of, of number 45. You're saying it with some uh, respectable sobriety. You genuinely believe that if we're going to hold folks accountable for where they, in fact, need to be held accountable, then the botched pullout in Afghanistan and the subsequent mistakes made since then uh, are things uh, about which this current administration cannot blame the previous. Am I correct? That's right. You know, the things that the Biden people did, they just wanted out. 
they didn't care how they got out, and they got out in, a, in an ugly way. And a lot of lives uh, were lost, and I don't think that they've gone back to consider. Their, the 14-page glossy that they published as their after-action review of their exit just you know, didn't even touch the fringe of the, the malfeasance that they demonstrated in uh, the exit. So it, it was an embarrassment. And what about um, that and, massive lie that we got from Biden? I'll never forget it. He was on uh, um, ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, and, and Stephanopoulos said, well, listen, um, should we understand that you're not going to pull out completely until, uh, you know, certain allies are taken care of? And Biden said, no, no, you should understand we are going to stick to this date. And then Stephanopoulos said, well, what about the Americans that are still there? And then Biden said, well, I promise uh, American troops will not leave there till all American civilians are out safely. And that never proved to be the case. On that issue, he knowingly communicated falsehoods. In short, he lied by every universal measure of the word, or am I being overly strident, uh, Colonel McGinnis? No, unfortunately, uh, over the last uh, hundred years, we've had a number of presidents who have lied when it comes to these types of situations. It was, you know, certainly Bush did, certainly FDR did, Wilson, uh, McKinley, uh, a couple of others, uh, LBJ on Vietnam. So, oh, without you know, a doubt. But have we ever seen it that tightly expressed? I mean, it's like on one day he says. We're not pulling out till all Americans are, are out themselves safely. And the next day, he goes back on his word, or relatively the next day. I don't know that I've ever seen it with such a lie executed with quite that level of immediacy, or am I mistaken in my history? Well, they didn't change his teleprompter, Alan, on that day. So <laughs> it's what happens with you know, the gaff-prone Mr. Biden. You know, it. Yeah, he takes vacations on the American tax dollar and accomplishes nothing when he goes overseas and he comes home and he makes statements that are just nobody believes and everybody kind of giggles under their breath that this guy doesn't have control of his senses. And it's dangerous. And especially now we just juxtapose what we're doing with the Chinese. Chinese you know, are just making mincemeat of our best interests at home and overseas, and the Russians are, you know, they're feeling their oats as well. And even though, of course, the Ukrainians have been able to take a, a pretty good slice out of Russian humanity over the last year and a half. Let me ask this question, and I say this is somebody who's more comfortable with, let's say, Ron DeSantis out of Florida than I ever would be with Trump. But having said that, is it fair to surmise that while Trump was in power, both the Russians and the Chinese never felt this latitude of comfort when it, came, when it comes to um, launching strikes against the interests of the United States. Or am I seeing too much into this? No, you're right. You know, they saw him as unpredictable. You know, he was the guy down at Mar-a-Lago that turned to Chi after firing, you know, 57 rockets into Syria. And he said, uh, President Chi, I just launched 57 rockets at yeah, Russians and their ISIS allies inside of uh, Syria. And, you know, he, he used it at, at the appropriate time. He sent a message to Chi at the same time, and that is that uh, he's somewhat unpredictable. And, you know, Putin can predict what Biden's going to do, and I think Chi has his number as well. So this is not reassuring. No, it isn't. And he did have that particular advantage. I mean, uh, look, he actually fulfilled the promise that Obama made but never did fulfill. Uh, when oh, looking at uh, you know, Assad, yeah. when he sold Assad, look, you know, if, uh, they, if they subject their own citizenry to chemical weapons, that's going to cross a red line. Well, Obama forgot where that red line had been drawn. They tried to detour the discussion onto some self-indulgent road of escapism when confronted with having uh, pulled back from that red line. They said, well, Russia, you know, uh, made gestures that kind of got us out of it. It was a whole lot of horse malarkey. Uh, however, when Trump came into power, he said, look, if you do this to your own people, unlike oh, my predecessor, I will do something about it. And he did so while knowing that there were 200-plus Russian troops in the area. And he still went ahead and made that attack, which is why I always thought it was funny that they thought Trump was in such uh, cahoots with Russia when I believe he's the only president in our history that ever killed 200 Russian troops in a snap. Or am I, am I mistaken, Colonel? 
No, we killed a lot of Russians in Syria, and obviously with our weapons we're, and the Ukrainian fighters, we're killing a lot of Russians today. Precisely. Always great having you on. Bob, we've got to have you back real soon. Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, everybody, U.S. Army retired senior fellow for National Defense at the Family Research Council. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Going to be right back. The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit JumpCloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you wanna support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year, remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first first job, job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. 
accessible homes and vehicles, and access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Over here is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Delighted to, be, uh, delighted to have you stick around with us today. Uh, you know, folks, as you might recall, a few days ago, I had chatted about this healthy 50-year-old orthopedic surgeon by the name of Dr. Joel Walskog, spelled W-A-L-L-S-K-O-G, who had become crippled and unemployed within a week of receiving a COVID shot uh, the good doctor has, of course, since fought the online censorship of vaccine debacle stories like his. you got to wonder when it's going to stop. Well, in that regard, we have assisting today uh, in the opining old friend of the show, Dr. Peter McCullough, a cardiologist. He has contributed extensively on issues surrounding the COVID-19 crisis, uh, has done so uh, in the publications The Hill, as well as Fox News himself. Uh, he is the editor-in-chief of Reviews in Cardiovascular Medicine and also senior associate editor of the American Journal of Cardiology. So the man has his, his stripes. Uh, Dr. McCullough, good to have you back. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me. I'm former on those uh, accolades that you've given just to, for a correction. So oh, my former apologies. Thank editor you. Thank of those. You. That's okay. Oh. Thank you for the update. Thank you for the update. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to get to this, though, because... Um, uh, this seemed to be unconscionable, what happened to Dr. Walscog. Um, and all he is trying to do is circumvent the censorship that's been out there crippling, um, well, actual science. To me, science has always been the study of the natural world based on facts learned through experimentation, observation, and, of course, competitive analyses. And without the third, you're left with nothing but junk science. But um, we've been subjected to just that for too long. I mean, look how long it took for people to uh, finally understand that uh, mask efficacy has been overstated and that natural immunity indeed uh, does offer greater COVID protection than vaccine immunity. Your sense of it all, Dr. McCullough. It's true. I know Dr. Walskog personally is a you know, wonderful orthopedic surgeon who's lost his career due to the COVID-19 vaccine. He suffered from a problem called transverse myelitis. It's basically like having a spinal cord transection and being become a a paraplegic overnight. Uh, So this is a disastrous. He's had a partial recovery. Uh, We pray for his continued recovery. But the vaccines, uh, in cases like this, it's obvious they're not safe for human use. I told America on December 7th, 2022, on the floor of the U.S. Senate, all the vaccines should be removed from the market. They're not safe enough for human use. And you're right. They failed to stop the virus. They couldn't keep up with the virus mutations. And they've never been shown to reduce hospitalization and death. That's what we are counting on. That's never been demonstrated in a proper clinical trial. I'm surprised because there's supposed to be a guardrail for this, at least at the CDC, National Institutes of Health as well. Uh, it's, isn't it referred to as the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, VAERS? Uh, has there been an abridging or, or a censoring of true findings out there in an area where there should never be such a thing? Or am I seeing too much into it, doctor? Theirs is grossly underreported, but you're right. Theirs has captured certainly, uh, you know, well uh, more than it would be needed to pull a product off the market. Theirs is reporting over 17,000 Americans have died on the same day they take the shot or a few days afterwards, most within 30 days, uh, you know, with 5, 10, or 15, oh, no oh, more oh, than Doctor, my, my, audience, my audience driving around has got to hear what you just said one more time. And then after you state it, can you then give what the subsequent totals are probably like um, if you have those kinds of numbers um, so immediately after uh, such a short period of time? Give, give, please restate what you said. So to repeat, the CDC is verifying 
Over 17,000 Americans have died shortly after taking the COVID-19 vaccine. Some people, it's on the same day they take it or in the next few days afterwards. The vast majority are within 30 days. Prior to COVID, prior to COVID, all the vaccines combined, including the flu shots and all the, the shots that everybody takes, that number per year is about 150. So, so with most flu shots, you have adverse effects or people experiencing severe um, maladies or even death. The number is about 150 a year. But for the COVID shot, you're saying it's about 17,000 a year or it's been 17,000 uh, altogether? It's been 17,000 altogether. But that's but still a whole had, lot per year, yeah. given that this shot has only been out there about two and a half, three years. Correct. And the CDC incredulously has said that doctors have reviewed all the deaths and none are related to the vaccine, including ones where people die right in the vaccine center. So the CDC has not indicated who their doctors are, how they did the adjudication and how they arrive at these conclusions. I can tell you as a doctor, I have reported deaths myself. The vaccine is clearly causing death in people after they take it. There well, are my understanding, doctor, is that my understanding, doctor, is that their overall argument is that correlation is not causation. Just because something happens around the same time of a thing doesn't mean it's responsible for that thing. But it is still fair to say that it's always a good place to start looking. And when you have those kinds of numbers happening in association with the timing of of the COVID shots, then clearly. Uh, there's more justification for further investigation and conclusion than the opposite, correct? That's true, but we now have autopsy studies. The autopsy studies show for sure the vaccine is a cause of death. So we're way beyond correlation to causation. The, the autopsy studies show the vast majority of people who die after the vaccine is directly due to a vaccine complication like heart damage, uh, brain hemorrhage, stroke, and blood clots. This is all a head shaker, too. I mean, it seems that so many people were harmed because of the censorship of, of those who were simply coming up with revelations that differed from the preferred uh, conclusions of the political narrative emanating from the Biden White House and, of course, this uh, CDC still. It took until June of 2022 uh, for mainstream media to start accepting what you have been trying to ring the bell on for years, and that was about natural immunity offering greater protection, uh, greater COVID protection than vaccine immunity. NBC News reported on it in June of 22. The headline was just that, natural immunity offers greater COVID protection than vaccine study finds. And, of course, a few months later, uh, we came to understand that the Cochrane study showed uh, that there was very, very little difference uh, when looking at uh, mask efficacy. In other words, uh, massive mask meta-study undermines remaining COVID mandates. According to Just the News, the sub-headline was, researchers in gold standard collaboration struggled to find benefit from surgical uh, over no masks uh, or N95 respir respirators over surgical. Basically, the Cochrane study found that whether you wore a mask or not, there was very little difference. But look at the torture to which we were all subjected. Isn't that fair to remind folks about, Dr. McCullough? It's true. Cochrane analysis, Ferguson and all mass have completely failed. Natural immunity, far superior to any theoretical benefit of the vaccine. Final word. Folks, you're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Thanks again, everybody. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.